a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave X Media. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Hey, Cabbage Patch. Doing the intro from the future as editing Zach. Uh, today we sat down with a wonderful guest, a good friend of ours, good friend of the network, Adel Rafai came to talk to us about uh, Ember Island Players, which is one of my favorite episodes, and it sounds like it was one of his favorite episodes, too. Uh, we had a lot of fun, a lot of yucks, a lot of laughs. I'm really excited for y'all to hear it. Uh, so without further ado, I'm Zach, she's Alex, and this is My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast. You should uh, feel honored, Adel, because so many people had asked us, can we do this episode? Yeah. And we're like, sorry, we're like saving it for like someone super cool. Wow. Not saying our friends aren't super cool, okay. but uh, we knew that like, we like, it'd be great to have a thespian on for this episode. And uh, yeah, so it, it works out. <laughs> wow. I feel so, I feel so buttered up that I almost feel like, well, I almost feel like there's about to be like a bucket of pig's blood dumped on my head i know i, Does that oh, no. I was like, <laughs> uh, like oh man alex must be a firebender for the way she's blowing smoke up your ass right now Ooh. <laughs> i'm just uh, one of those people the stagehands dressed all in black doing all of like the the magic behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh, speaking of all blowing smoke i don't know where i was going with that uh t- today podcast listeners we are joined by a very special guest you know him from hello from the magic tavern you know him from hey riddle riddle it's our good friend adel rafai adel thanks for coming on hello thank you for barbecuing my butthole <laughs> it's so uh, nice to be back on <laughs> great to have you so uh for the listeners um can you go ahead adel and just as a reminder we had you on for another great episode uh, for tales from bossing say last season but for those new to the cabbage patch can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to love avatar yes yeah, so i am a improviser teacher writer director podcaster in chicago illinois uh, I mostly do improv around the city, of course. Uh, well, I don't want to say, of course. Uh, I, I always say it when people say obviously, and it's not obvious. Um, yeah, yeah. Chicago is sort <laughs> of like, a... Like, literally. <laughs> obviously, it's the red wire. Yeah. Uh, that's not obvious at all. Um, but Chicago is sort of a hub. It is sort of the place for improv in the world. That is true. So uh, I mostly do improv. I love improv. And um, so that's what I do around the city. I teach it. I perform it. I love it. And... Uh, maybe this might have been 2013, somewhere around there, about 10 years ago. Is that right? Oh boy. Um, I was, uh, I was dating someone who was obsessed with Avatar. Uh, she was kind enough to gift me the DVDs back when DVDs were a thing. If you don't know what DVDs are, go ahead and Google those. Um, with how many, with how many jobs are getting sacked at HBO right now, it is good to have physical copies of things. True. That's very true. It's getting, which is why we just bought our show of like our, my parents, we actually gave them a movie that we love on DVD as a Christmas gift. So we just kind of age ourselves there. I just, (laughs) I literally, maybe last week I had a conversation with a friend of mine, JP, John Patrick Cohen, JPC. And I was saying like, I don't understand why the youth today 
downloads video games because I'm like, when I play a video game, when I'm done, I want to toss the disc to a friend. I want to be like, I'm dropping mm. this off because it's really fun. And uh, so I just don't understand that, but I, I never yeah. will. Won't try to. Anyway, um, <laughs> she got me the DVDs as a gift. We watched them. The, we watched the entire series over the course of like, I don't know, four days or something. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was incredibly well written. I think that it's really charming. It's really funny. It's it's it helps sort of segue my brain into welcoming that animation is not just for kids. Because I think I did. Yeah. I definitely went through a Imagine period. That. Yeah, I definitely went through a period of my life, not for long, but but where I was like, oh, animation. Except for The Simpsons, there's not much out there for adults. And I think this really opened my eyes to like, oh, this is incredible storytelling and Adventure Time is incredible storytelling and Steven Universe is, you know, so it really helped invigorate my love for even something like Bluey I'm now obsessed with of like, I don't, I don't have kids, but Bluey is incredible. So I think it it just really. The blue dog of every generation has a blue dog that will (laughs) usher them in through the heart trials of the era. And it's, ours is Bluey. I wish it was Huckleberry Hound, R.I.P. But I, um, <laughs> it really opened my heart and my mind to what else is out there. And um, how can you not love something like Appa or, I mean, just, yeah, uh, just just a really wonderful time. So so that was my journey. Yeah. And look at you binge, wa- binge watching things before binge watching was cool. Right? I heard you say the whole series in four days. And I was like, uh, to quote the Mandalorian, this is the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I think, yeah, I think it did that for a lot of, uh, like, young adults who were watching watching it at the time going whoa i'm not a kid but this is really engaging like more engaging than it should be and i think that's partially because like the old cartoons were i think expressly like created by people before cartoons were a thing who the were created by people who didn't grow up watching cartoons mm-hmm. and were just making them to kind of like placate children and stuff and then with this new generation of cartoons, we grow up, these, all these creatives grew up watching cartoons. They have a lot of care and stake in them. And they realize that just because they're making something for children doesn't mean they can't make it engaging on a deeper level. Exactly. And I feel like there is, I, I, I can have a appreciation for something like, I guess, Bojack Horseman, or like, I know there's stuff out there like Big Mouth and I can't remember what else, but. That's mm-hmm. specifically like, isn't it wild that it's animated, but we're saying these awful things or like <laughs> being so gross. And I'm like, I, I, I can understand and appreciate that. But at the same time, there's so, there's a quality to animation and there's things you can do with animation that are just so wonderful and heartfelt and funny and interesting mm-hmm. that I think uh, if you're an adult and you haven't dipped your toes into the animation waters for a while, please do, because there's so much out there that's really incredible um again some of the best storytelling out there in in tv or film um but just that sometimes get gets written off because it's not adult animation or because it's not you know live action yeah um and i think uh, that the directors at hbo that have made the decisions to take all of these awesome pieces of uh you know, media like Infinity Train and all of uh, these other shows like love off Infinity of, I know, off incredible. of the platform and saying like, like banking on the idea that, oh yeah, cartoons, animation, that's child's play. And then you have yeah. my man Guillermo del Toro coming out with this beautiful, Pinocchio, amazing yeah. stop motion film and which I think should be monitored for best picture, not just like best animation. Yeah. And, and it's like saying prestige. like- You've got yeah. Forstice in France coming out with Arcane, which is a masterpiece that you have don't have to have any knowledge of League of Legends to enjoy. Exactly. So we need uh, we need it. Like animation. And it's funny how uh like 
I feel like the more adult, the more quote adult an animation is, the mm. more juvenile it feels. That very true. That's very true. Yeah, I, I would yeah. I would say Avatar has way more humor and heart than something like Big Mouth, uh, mm. in, in my opinion. Yeah, but I but I also do I also do an improvised podcast that's full of uh, blue humor. So I won't uh, I won't harsh on <laughs> I won't harsh on anybody else's creative endeavors too hard. Improv <laughs> is improv is like sometimes you need you need that off color joke to like bring the bit back around. Yeah. Yeah. And just as a reminder on our show, uh, we make dick adventures yeah. all the time. So like just because we're talking about a kid's show, we're still we adults. We say words <laughs> we say words both fuck and shit on this show. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> So with that being said, uh, we uh, we might have aged ourselves by saying like how like old we were or what, like where we were at a certain point <coughs> in time when we first consumed the show. But like here we are a decade later, still talking about it, and we have another, uh, if not just a couple, but possibly like close to at least five to if not eight years of content uh over at avatar news this week they just talked about how uh for the next several years they've outlined all of the projects at avatar studios that they're going to be working on from all of the new animated films the first one coming out next year we've talked about with the like the gang and well, uh, or in 2025. 2025 yeah yeah like forever from now it just oh, dropped at the second movie that. coming out a year later after that 2026 is going to be about uh fire lord zuko so like here we are like there's gonna be shows animated series and lots of new uh content coming very cool oh so something that just popped into my mind while you're mentioning uh what you just mentioned is that uh, along uh, along the train of thought that i was uh riding on earlier into the spider-verse is maybe my favorite film of the last 25 years Uh, oh yeah and that's uh and that's animated so yeah. Hell yeah. Boy. And it, it, it has now spun off all of these other shows trying to emulate that style. Mm. And every other Marvel movie has to be connected to the multiverse in some yeah, way. Spider-Verse was up, was, was ahead of the game on that. They, they introduced that in the, in the new Spider-Man, like Marvel cinematic universe thing. And I'm like, man, this is just Spider-Verse, but worse. <laughs> Sp- Spider-Verse? Spider-Verse. Trademark. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> um, uh, so we're here to talk about an episode of the show that I think is like many people's favorite episode, which boggles my mind because it is like the most detested type of episode there is, the recap episode, and they do it great justice. Yes, this is book three, chapter 17, The Ember Island Players. Yes, because everything in this episode is exaggerated, and it's the theater with an R. How, like, here's the thing. How do we spell it? Is it theater with an E-R or an R-E? Proper English or American English? (laughs) Uh, So I think that this episode, um, there's... Yeah, the recap episode. Everyone dreads yeah. it. I'm not going to give a recap. Normally, I would read like a synopsis yeah, of this normally episode. Normally, I would read a synopsis. But, but I'm not going to do get... a recap of a recap. Yeah, she'll get locked in a space-time paradox forever. <laughs> so, general thoughts. Uh, you know, Adel, what did you think of the episode? I found it to be a goddamn delight. Um, I think it's <laughs> it's so... Again, it's a recap episode, but done in such an intelligent, playful way by having this sort of like blown out of proportion sort of um version of of the events and by having them have to sit and confront their past and what they've done and how they're perceived i think is so well done and so funny 
I think especially uh, Katara, whenever they show Katara, Katara being portrayed by the uh, on stage, and she's so actor so over emotional and melodramatic, <laughs> and it's just so funny to see her confront that and like stew and just be like, "That's not me." And and I, every single person goes through that moment of like, "That's not me. I can't. That's couldn't possibly be me." And to some degree, it isn't. Like it's definitely everyone's being made one dimensional on stage so they except tough except Toph for Toph. Is like, Toph loves it fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is you know it is their three-dimensional selves looking at a one-dimensional pr- portrayal and of course it's Absolutely. through the lens of of people who don't care for them um but it, nation propaganda exactly yeah. but it is i just think it's really clever and really funny and i think the moments of like um uh I really enjoyed the, the almost like Peter Pan moment of like the reveal of Avatar and it's a woman and he's mm-hmm. like, is that a woman playing me? And it's like, you know, of course, I think, of course, that's a send up of Peter Pan of like this flying character Absolutely. being a, a slight Alison Williams uh, type uh, woman. So um, just just really, really enjoyable. And then the fact that there is I think there's two or three uh, act breaks where we see them in the lobby or in their seats just sort of. um mm. Uh, begrudgingly sticking around to see how it ends and everything. So I, I, I really enjoy that we get to check in with them. And it seems like there's also a lot of, from the creators themselves, even a meta commentary on some of the stuff of yeah. like, uh, did so-and-so die? And it's like, it's not quite clear. And like some moments, the audience is like snoozing as if it's like, okay, that wasn't our best episode. episode we, we, the writers, yeah. we, the writers recognize that this, this uh, storyline or this moment was a bit of a snooze fest. So it's just really clever, clever sort of, uh, two or three layer meta commentary. I really, really enjoy it. It's the mm. whole, you know, Hollywood loves when there's movies that they do about Hollywood. And so yeah, it's like yeah. the whole play within a play kind of trope. And uh, yeah, yeah they d- they're they able to dunk on themselves, but uh, in a really clever way. And I'm glad that you brought up Peter Pan because uh, that was something I, I wanted to talk out to here. And I feel that of all of the characters, Aang has like the poorest reaction of everyone to like how their actors betrayed. Like, oh, a girl? Why am I a girl? <laughs> it's like, come on, like Toph doesn't care. Like, yeah. and I just, yeah, really uh, in like interesting because it's like, come on, Tang, just just get over it. The, but. the scene where, okay. <laughs> What, I actually what, played, okay, we're, I was we're, in Peter Pan in high school. Whoa, uh, who'd you play? Yeah, uh, oh, I was just an awesome pirate and member of the chorus. Um, and we did not have a fly space. So it was just a, like, the. then they did have, like, a classmate of mine, a female, did play uh, Peter Pan. And I remember just, like, she had, like, you know, she's well endowed and, like, you know, trying to ace bandage, like, in so many sports <laughs> bras just to, like, and, like, but the jumping around from, like, bed to bed and, like, making it appear as if they were flying um, without a fly space. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we were balling on a budget for wow. sure, but uh, it was a time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I really enjoy, um, you mentioned Toph, like, just absolutely adores her portrayal and it's it's fun because both her and Aang are immature and juvenile in a lot of ways, but it's just interesting to see Toph just like aggressively accept uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the other gender portraying her. And then Aang is just so upset and like, can't get over it. And like, that's a hang up. And I think it also helps show because there's this, this sides, this B story of Aang trying to figure out what's going on with him and Katara. I think yeah. it is helpful to have that, 
that that he's incredulous in all these moments of like what i'm not like that mm-hmm. kind of helps show the immaturity or the i think well age gap is not the correct term because he's i don't know was frozen like a for year a, younger yeah. than <laughs> yeah two, or two years yeah. yeah but it shows the maturity gap um you know when they're out on the veranda and there's the the weird kiss moment and all that stuff so i, I think it is it is in support of the the side story dang mm. read Top. the room my guy yeah Toph is like uh Toph is like damn they got john dimaggio to play me shit yeah. <laughs> is that who it is <laughs> yes is john oh very cool he has yeah, like but, what, like four lines or something. It's great. What uh, that and it also did uh, Ozai, I believe, or no, um, yeah, Ozai. So, uh, and then Gray Delisle does uh, actor Katara. Uh, like, there's so many like little Easter eggs they have. Like Bra- Bradley D. Baker <laughs> was a like actor cool. Jet. So yeah, it was really interesting to see like how who other like or how they reconfigured. My favorite casting detail about this episode is that uh, actor Zuko is played by um, Dante Bosco's brother. Oh, his older brother, Derek. Yeah. Apparently, Derek just spends the entire time just like making fun of like (laughs) his portrayal of Zuko. That's fantastic. Uh, So good. I wonder if it's to get into character. Uh, he actually did have put a, like a scar on his face and like intentionally put it on the wrong side. <laughs> very method, very Daniel Day Lewis. I'm now realizing that the Peter Pan uh, analogy now is is deeper because I forget I forgot that Dante Bosco was in Hook. Yeah, that's right. Whoa! <laughs> I totally forgot. Gosh, Rufio. This is like an onion. There's so many layers. <laughs> you just keep peeling it back. So um, I thought we might go just like act by act and kind of like call out some of our favorite scenes and just sort of like go window shopping through uh, through the through the series. Sure. I before, before we do that, I just wanted to mention like when we first get hooked in, like oh we're on vacation, like we're and on the Ember Island, uh, we're in Zuko's home, and Sokka comes up with this awesome poster. I don't know. Sokka's track record with posters has not been great, especially, but uh, I still give him the best A for effort uh, when he does his own content. But like this poster uh, is so over-exaggerated. We get the Ember Iron players with a, a reference to this traveling uh, like troop. So like the Cave of Lovers duo and the, the pirates and um, also a humble cabbage merchant who was an inspiration for the events that took place in the play. Uh, but actually, like, if you look at the poster and then compare it to, like, the box set, and I'm not sure if you, this was, like, the box set that your partner at the time gave you, Adel, but uh, the season one box set uh, mm-hmm. was actually the poster that was used to inspire the poster in the show for the play. Oh, very cool. I'll have to go back and look at that. And like the, it, the play is like the, the boy in the iceberg. So like an homage to like the first. And I didn't know that our, uh, our good friend, Jamie sketches uh, had her fan art used in uh, <laughs> this episode. This poster is uh, very similar to like the, her style. So shout out to our, our good friend, Jamie on Twitter. Um, so yeah, so, the yeah. first act we get in, season, we got our tickets. Season one, yeah, we're sitting in the theater, and I just like <laughs> can we can we start by saying that like the actress that plays Katara, like she she thick, okay? <laughs> She's got that like like slit up the leg, and she thick, and it's like hmm, you're probably like in your thirties. <laughs> 
but you're portraying this like what 15 year old girl i don't even yeah i mean hey when you have like a traveling but that's actually pretty common like especially uh back in like you know the day like hundreds of years ago when you were traveling and you all you had was like you know the people in the troop and like multiple people would play multiple parts like it reminds me of when your brother jake uh did hamlet in a park Mm. and was it was very similar to kind of like how shakespeare was back in the day like the props were very minimal uh not here like they they really go over and beyond with yeah. the with the effects and the stage they got, craft. A, they got a fire nation budget but yeah the, so i think they, they they do work with what they got they're a troop they probably have to have like the same actors play uh some different parts or do the in the throughout the year so this is they work with what you got make it yeah. work designers I also took it as um possible commentary again that sort of super meta level of like all the voice actors who voice these kids are or were in their late 20s 30s I am assuming at the time mm. so it is I think commentary on like these older actors portraying these younger voices which is I mean along the same lines one of my favorite uh, elements about this episode is that and I, I have no idea what the correct answer is, but I for, I formulated my own opinion, and I'd love to bounce it off the two of you and see what you think. But the, I love that they keep showing. I think in every act they keep showing this old man who's like operating all the gears <laughs> and like yes. pulling down the trapdoor and pulling a rope and sweating and grimacing and is just like really putting his body, his blood, sweat, and tears into this production. And to me, I saw it as a commentary of like even the most like shit production even the most just like throwaway crap of a play or musical or tv or anything takes someone serious putting in so much effort so i think yes that, that all those shots were so unnecessary if if there's no commentary there of like why do we need to see this old man working his fucking fingers to the bone to make this a success even though it's being made fun of or it's being it's like campy and that everyone hates it so so to me it was commentary on like Every episode, we are putting so much, <laughs> so much of our, <laughs> so much work into it. This is so much yeah. work. And even mm-hmm. if you shit on an episode, even if we make commentary on past moments, there was a human being <laughs> who, who like really put themselves out there and really, you know, broke their back to try and make this work. So I, I t- blood and sweat. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I took Absolutely. away from it. And, and it therefore uh, made that those moments really enjoyable when they cut to that guy. Yeah, I agree. And like, so all of like the animators and in betweeners and every right. person. I was going to say, that's that guy is just some like in betweener, just like yeah. coming in on Saturday to finish up a scene. The shading, <laughs> the cell shader or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, that's something that I noticed in every act. Like, they were just so intentional because even the moments you know like this is a parody like all the the actors and like their characters that they're portraying are exaggerated and there's moments that get wrong like parts of like the play are out of order as it happened like in the actual like chronology of the show but like those decisions were intentional someone had to be like all right what are we going to like intentionally like yeah, like make wrong. wrong so like you know Zuko's scar on the wrong side of his face or uh the when Aang goes in the avatar state and says yip yip or uh just like the blue spirit and we notice that Zuko and Aang are two totally different characters when our, on his, uh, we all as the audience know Zuko's the blue spirit it's like those things they intentionally got wrong but there's like the elements of stagecraft like mm-hmm. uh like the 
uh, actor that's playing Aang, like, before uh, they fall uh, and get hit by the lightning when Azula uh, strikes him with her lightning. Like, the actor, like, slowly opens their eye just a tad <laughs> so they can see, like, and catch. When to react, yeah. So, like, they just, they went so hard on, like, an episode that didn't need that much. Like, mm. you know, it's not a turd and you're polishing it so much and it's like, wow, it's a really nice turd. <laughs> it's It's funny because, like, do you know how, like, as a professional animator, do you know how much work it takes to make something, uh, like, look like a high-budget fight scene versus make something look like a, like, low-budget, like, theater where they're throwing cloths and ribbons and things? Uh, the remarkably similar amount of effort <laughs> for yeah. both things. Uh, so it's like, even though the, the production is meant to look cheesy, the show doesn't look cheap itself yeah the the production values of the episode are still like all there yeah and i love how like there's so many elements that they pull from different stagecraft so like the actors that are in or like the stagehands that are in black that are doing the effects like reminds me of like the kabuki theater and like all of how they um will be on stage the big blue spirit like mask like waddles out on screen is like a very like kabuki thing i feel sure and, and it's funny that like the blue spirit and zuko are both there at the same time and yeah Zhao it's a, it's a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i just love the different um they like took so much time not just to be like oh hey it's actors on a stage we we see all the elements behind the scenes it is somewhat i did i did play some like parts in theater but most of my stuff i enjoyed the behind the scenes i love doing all of like the set building and like making sure all like the props and like thinking through like and like you know actually staging a fight and um yeah it's just like all of that extra work that you don't even see like on yeah. opening night and things that like are mistakes that like you when something goes wrong and you just have to go with it and turn it into like a moment mm -hmm. um and yeah like i like slipping on a banana peel like that got thrown like when we did peter pan like that wasn't part of the script but we just went with it and this the audience it made it wait better. there was a banana and peel on the stage in peter pan <laughs> well like specifically when we, we were all or it was like an, an apple peel or something or an, an apple core or something like when we were okay. all on stage like <laughs> the pirates were just like eating stuff while hook is going off and like talking and doing his big epic That's monologue funny. how we're finally gonna catch that darn peter pan and like my i threw like an apple <laughs> Core and like uh it like you know the actor playing hook didn't see it and he does like straight up like flipped and like we were all like oh no what do we do and we just like he, he needs to he needs to call you out and just fire you but like, like get out was, of my sight it was also like how would like because you're thinking like how would this pirate react because if we laugh at Hook, like, he's probably yeah. gonna hate us, and Hook started to laugh, and we all started to laugh, too, and he's like, off with all of you, off with the plank. It was great. So you just, and the audience <laughs> thought it was part of the script, so I, I like that, too. There's something really, there's something really special about, I was a, uh, I did theater in high school, I was a theater major in college, I went to Illinois State University for, for theater, and, and there's something really just wonderful about, in our track, and our program, they make, if you're an actor, they make you 
uh, <laughs> confront is maybe too strong a word, the other elements of a production. So you can't graduate mm. uh, with a theater degree unless you take, you know, costume design, unless you put in work, uh, hours in the workshop building sets, unless you do lighting for a show. So we had to do every single element of a production and gain an appreciation for it. And there was something of like, when you're first doing shows as a freshman or something, and like a light cue gets fucked up or something goes wrong, there is this inherent frustration of like, ah, really, <laughs> whatever. Mm. And then you go through all the work of it and you have to, you know, I had to do lighting design for like a, a dance production and run the lights for s- certain performances and sew costumes and all this stuff. And you realize how hard it is and how, how much these people give a shit and put themselves into it. And it, it just, it just really, it makes you a more, a more well-rounded human and also a, a artist, I guess. So it I humbles really, you a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> But also, like, all these, you never see it. Like, this guy that does all this work, he's this old man that's, like, putting, the, like, this play wouldn't exist without him, but he's probably not on the bill. Yeah. Uh, he he doesn't get that that credit, just, like, the voice, the person that played it. Like, there was no vo- voice actor to, like, credit in, in, in this show, but, like... I like to think that this guy, that, like, because of how hard he works, maybe they, like... They throw him a bone, and he gets to play the cabbage guy in like a cameo. Yes, he gets gets to say "my cabbages." It's all worth it. (laughs) Awesome. So, what were some of our favorite scenes? Like we we've talked about how there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of meta commentary Mm -hmm. happening here. Jokes that are getting laughed at uh, that were uh, afterthoughts. So, so yeah, what were some of the things that we really enjoyed? I think that moment where they we see the iceberg, we see Aang trapped inside. There's the the water bending; it cracks open, and Aang comes out. And I think immediately the actress who's playing Aang gives like a wink to the audience or something, but it's like a <laughs> ding and like a sly smile. And then like moments later, she says something to Zuko or, or to uh, Sokka of like, um, "Look over there, there's a bowl of soup or something." And he's like, "Huh." And, it, like, and, <laughs> and Aang's like, aren't I an incorrigible scamp or, or aren't I a silly it, jokester or something? It, yeah. I, it, in, incurable prankster. Incurable prankster. And I was like, I couldn't, I rewound it just because I'm like, that is such a funny moment. And it's just such a, <laughs> it's so untrue of Aang. And it's just like. <laughs> Not only is it untrue of Aang, but it's like poor stagecraft for a character to just like come out and list off one of their character traits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, mean, I sure hope no one's late. I get really angry when yeah. people are late. <laughs> and I know comedy comes in threes, and like, but with Sokka's character, they make a food joke way more than three times. Like, there's yes. always going to be like a food, but you know, that's it's not. They're not wrong. Like, the characters get mad at, besides Toph about their portrayals, uh, but with Sokka, he is very food motivated in the early part yeah. of the show. Oh yeah, and they. They pay it off. I feel like I feel like it takes a little bit. There, there's a bit of air in between the payoff, but then at the first intermission or second intermission, he's like, "Hey, can you grab me some fire jerky and also some fire he's gummies?" Fire- and you're like, yeah. "Oh, that's paying off the earlier, just like insatiable appetite he has." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hold on, I was gonna say something about. Uh, oh, knock knock. Who's there? Who's there? Steak. Steak who? There's steak around? I'm starving! That's like all of his jokes. <laughs> I do I do uh, appreciate later on that it's like, out at, at of anyone who could have done it, I love that Sokka is like, I gotta get backstage. I gotta meet my, yeah. I gotta meet my, the guy portraying me. 
and that he's so concerned with almost i mean to to put uh, to maybe put more uh meaning on it than is necessary he's so concerned with like the honesty of the portrayal of like here's the jokes that i would say here's how to get it right that i i just uh-huh. i really appreciate how much he's concerned with that where everyone else is just kind of pissed um yeah. <laughs> I, I love so I was like listen this play this play has potential yes I love that he's like there's truth in comedy I need to I need to like really make sure my voice is being channeled and out of mm. all the voices his is the least important in terms of like just adding levity or humor <laughs> so I love that it's like he the jokes need to be right versus anything else he could have said of like yeah my sister isn't like this the avatar does you know uh ang doesn't act like this or whatever I love that the only thing he's concerned about is getting the the jokes right and part of me is is curious about because the 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 sort of grown man who's playing Sokka says like who are you oh great another fan pitching jokes or something and part of me is like is that commentary on like are, absolutely are, I think is, is there part of the fandom who's like here's a good joke that Sokka could tell or something that the writers or creators or whoever got fed up with of like I think this plays into like there's a lot of like fan theories that float around yeah. like oh I think this is connected to that because of these reasons and they're just like no we never intended any of that shit yeah yeah you're uh, like what, reading- what, hold on what is it that I have heard it down here somewhere um well what I was gonna say is I also think it plays homage to Jack Decina the voice actor that plays Sokka because in the beginning they had like Sokka, his character was such a hard ass that it was like, I'm a warrior and like yeah. super serious. And like, he just added like, like his personality just oozed through and just like changed over time how the character was written and kind of like just his portrayal act had an actual effect on the character's That's development cool. in the show. So I, I think that, that was maybe an homage to that too. I love that. He's just a guy who loves comedy. That's yeah. what Sokka says. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious though, Adel, as a yeah. stage crafter, has this, have you ever had a moment? Like, have you ever done an improv or a show and someone comes after and we're like, yeah, great job, man. Like, it was hey, great. Hey, but here's some, here's some fast. notes. <laughs> um, here's what I'll say this happens after every single Magic Tavern live show. Uh, anytime we do a meet and greet, somebody will say, and even when we just do episodes on Twitter or something, or see people mm-hmm. DM me on Instagram or something, but they will always say, you missed this, you missed this joke here. And it makes me so upset because I'm like, either one, I knew I the joke presented itself, but I moved past it because I thought it was too obvious or wasn't necessary or it's right. it's tread territory of like, I've heard that pun a million times or something. Um, or it's, I feel like I I did 50 puns in a row and then I'll take a breather and they'll be like, you missed this one. You, you could have said, when you were eating a piece of bread, you could have said, uh, better off bread or you know, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you just jump to an alternate universe where I did see Yeah, that. Night of the Living Bread. And I'm like, well, that didn't make sense in that moment. It wasn't a zombie piece of bread or something. So I, I feel like there's always... <laughs> And part of part of it is endearing because it's like, oh, the 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 listeners want to like engage or like they're so sure. they're so they want to participate. Yeah, they're so into it that they're participating. But at the same time, I'm also like, I don't need to hear this. Like, keep it to yourself. Yeah. If you want to arm armchair quarterback, like, please do. But you know, <laughs> I'm not going to have a direct line to Joe Burrow and be like, this is the play you should have thrown. It's like you're a professional <laughs> athlete. I trust you. I'll never forget. I was I was uh what. W- Alex and I actually our first date we went to a Oh my god I'm, uh, I was thinking this I'm so show. glad you say it. You were going you were going to talk about Keep it going. So yeah. so um uh the the greatest generation which is a Star Trek podcast on Maximum Fun mm-hmm. um 
they were doing a live show in Pittsburgh when we were there. And uh, at one point, they're talking about Captain Kirk, and one of them, um, it's Adam. Adam Pranica says, uh, says, yeah, Kirk's got like a little like kiss the cook like sh- like apron on, you know. And and somebody yells out, kiss the Kirk, and he, like stiffens and goes, don't punch me up. Don't do it. <laughs> I just remember it was like so immediate. I love it so much. And there was also, but there's this one fan I remember at the show who just like kept going. Like they just kept like like it might have been I don't remember if it was the kiss the Kirk guy, but he there like just kept inserting himself and like the first time everyone laughed and then just like got high off that energy and I'm like yeah, yeah I'm a part of this and then it yeah, was just this like is, this is a three person show now yeah. and then it just got to a point where they're like alright dude like you're you're great but like someone yeah. so- someone turn off his mic <laughs> yeah at some point start your own podcast like what do you want right. what do you want from us uh, <laughs> well you know and it's it's all in good character but yeah they're even able to like roast themselves here and I think um, my favorite scene was when, uh, at least in like the beginning and with the Great Divide, how they're just, you know, at like, oh, look, it's the biggest canyon or formation in the Earth Kingdom. They're like, yeah, we had to skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, have a, we, have a, we have a very dear fan uh, named Time Lord Iroh on Twitter, and uh, she was doing recaps after every uh, every. Uh, episode we released of our podcast she would do like a a live stream on twitter recap on twitter as as she went through it and um she got to the great divide and got like five posts into this twitter thread and then just was like i can't do this y'all and posted the gif of them being like let's keep flying (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah I also my I a really shout out, a, sh- a shout out that I have is I love the scene where like Jet is like oh no and then like it cuts to the gang and, and they're like so did Jet die yeah and then Saka's <laughs> like it was really unclear <laughs> it's like a direct call out yeah to the fact that nobody can use the word death of, of any kind on this TV show but they did say die they did oh, he's they, like did they, like Zuko asked the actual oh, question yeah. like did did Jet die. But he didn't say it in the affirmative. He didn't say, oh, that's when Jet died. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all, it's question like, mark. It's like Disney World where I think, I, th- I don't know if this is true, but when I was younger, I had heard that there's no confirmed deaths in Disney World where it's like, oh, I've heard that too. Where it's like, if someone, even if someone's like decapitated on Space Mountain, they will take their head and body off site and then pronounce them dead just to like maintain the record of like no one's ever died at Disneyland or even oh to keep God. it out of the press or whatever. But I'm sure that's probably changed since the, you know, the nineties or something. That sounds like some great creepypasta shit right there. Yeah. But, but it, it just fascinates me of like, we know people are dying left and right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like someone has a heart attack and yeah. they're like, uh no like like they're either like trying to get EMS there yeah. as quick as cans like I don't whereas, care what, what is it you, you, you can't you don't have to go home but you can't die here yeah, yeah. <laughs> whereas what is it uh, Action Park they like use it as a selling point they're like yeah five people die a year here come on down we're hardcore <laughs> I heard if someone inside one of the character costumes dies <laughs> this is I'm laughing because it's so morbid. I heard that they sit them down on a park bench and someone, another employee will sit next to them for as long, as long as it takes until like the park closes or the area clears and then they'll like cart them off. 
Wait, where it's like they what don't subreddit or part of like 4chan yeah. is this a real like, thing that you internet heard? are you going like, to Adel? well heard in terms of like i'm sure i read it somewhere so this is all who you know you see you see a video on tiktok that's like here's the way to eat eggs that's not going to kill you and you're like is this fact or is this just someone speaking with confidence? Right. So I don't know if I don't know if any of this is true, but it just really tickles me to think like oh, my God. oh hey, um Chip just died. Uh and it's like let's sit Chip down on the park bench. Dale, keep doing your thing. thing. And uh as soon as you know ten o'clock rolls around, we'll uh, inform Chip's uh, loved ones. Like it's just oh it's so God. morbid to me that I, I want it to be true. Well, I don't want it to be true because those are human beings, but I do want it to be true just in terms of like how insane Disney would treat their employees. Yeah. I mean, to the point where like that's how they even installed trash cans. Like Walt yeah. Disney just sat around and like observed people walking and found that like people would walk an average of like 30 feet or whatever with trash before like they threw it on the ground if they didn't find a trash can. And that's why like how they chose to space all of the trash cans oh, like wow. everything is like so I, engineered i 100 percent thought you were like doing a bit when you started that story i was like where is he going with it no, I just, I, and again that's what i heard and i'm sure it's not true but boy oh boy if it is disney what are we doing I also mean, well, also alex not to get legal you said engineered i believe it's imagineered ah, not to get litigious, but uh, you might want to beep you might want to beep out when you said engineered or else they're coming yeah through. i'm just gonna beep out whenever we use the word disney yeah. for any reason yeah copyright claim us mm-hmm. <laughs> uh that's that's how much they imagineer their content thank you but <laughs> uh fool me once same on you fool me twice so it's all on my uh, secret uh disney agent <laughs> yeah like the, compl- the clickbait for the title for this episode is going to be a thousand ways to die at disney <laughs> like uh the untrue old story so yeah we we've talked about some of our favorite highlights um any uh things that we did it like think went so well like what were some things were there any cringe moments here like ooh, yeah wrong choice guys uh i do want to slip in buzzer beater i want to slip in one more moment i did enjoy before oh, great before yeah. we pivot oh and i sure. will i will do so afterward I also oh awesome the, <laughs> yeah the no moment, let's keep going then the I, forget, moments we liked. <laughs> I forget which character it was but somebody throws a knife blade and the all in black nin- basically ninja uh stage hands grab uh-huh. the hilt of the knife and make it travel across the <laughs> yeah. stage to catch the back of someone's robe. And it was just so, they made such a meal out of that moment where it could have easily just been, cause there's moments where like things come up from the stage where it's like flames or fire or cloth or whatever. And they don't show someone working whatever at the moment, but they, but they made such a meal out of that moment. I was like, I love that so much <laughs> that someone just carries the knife across the stage was so it, it's almost like Hamilton with the bullet or something. If you've seen a stage production of Hamilton, when Burr shoots the bullet, they like make it move across the stage in slow motion. It just really tickled Amazing. me. Amazing. Mm, that's nice. That's so nice. Uh, my, mine is the, um, the drill. I thought the prop for the drill was really great. And they had the guy again inside the, the like rotating thing, like cranking the thing yeah. and making the, the treads move. <laughs> uh, we recorded that episode with um, uh, Christina's husband, Sean, who uh, was uh, fun, fun to have on the show. Uh, but the whole uh, joke for that episode of our podcast ended up being like, 
hey, this uh, this drill's kind of a giant dick. <laughs> and then it like explodes at the end in that big like, <laughs> like shower of of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, this is this is getting too real. This is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this joke anymore. I kind of want to bail on this joke. <laughs> too far. We took it too far. Um, do not make me turn this podcast around. <laughs> the bad dragon of the West. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's something that in terms of... Because not only is this a show about... Or an episode that's recall counting episodes and like the recap for all of the fans but also for us like thinking about on some of like our favorite episodes uh that that re-recorded and some things i feel that were kind of like left out where like they didn't really highlight like a ton of like you know fun moments from boston say they took out all those fun filler episodes so like i don't know i guess like tales from boston say your last episode at all was just not good enough to make the cut for these for the avatar team yeah. like they wow. just grazed been- right over it. it would have been interesting to try to do a uh, a bunch of little vignettes in a, a show that's already uh, like a bunch of little vignettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is interesting of like, speaking of Tales of Bossing, say, it is interesting. I think I could be, I mean, I, I just watched it right before coming on the podcast and I, b- before rewatching it now, I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. It feels like they, they got, I mean, for the most part, they got Uncle Iroh right. Mm-hmm. And it makes me yeah. feel like, it, to me, it almost makes me feel like the entire Fire Nation, to some degree, like, respects him or, like, yeah. they're like, we know how lovable this guy is and, like, we're not going to fuck with him or make him appear to be sneaky or malicious or whatever it is. But I, I thought that was just interesting of, like, let's really get get him get him correct. But, like, Ira was a, when he when he lived in the Fire Nation, he was a man of like luxury and comfort and i think it's probably a pretty good chance that he has been to their plays before yeah that's right they, they might actually know him personally yeah he might, who he knows? might be a yeah, patron uh they but like some of the things that he said like oh let's go get a massage later like something lines that 100 percent ira would have said yeah i uh, wish they could have i wish they would have fit in like a little pie show tile reference it's like oh look i found my pie show tile <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the, the pie show, or the Sungi horn, so... Ah, the Sungi horn. Yeah, but, I mean, the attention to details, like, they, like, with the dragons, or with the, the waterbending scroll, and how they're able to steal that, and, like, the pirates, Mm -hmm. and, uh, like, I feel that their portrayal of Jet was pretty good, um, but, you know, and some people, this is gonna be their least favorite moment, but I really loved how they just totally, like, uh, took a stab at all the Zutara fans, and (laughs) just, like, played up this romance between actor Katara and actor Zuko, and, like, Oh, Aang, I love him, but just as a brother. Yeah, and it's like, somebody oh, had read way too zone. many like Zutara fan fictions where like Katara just writes off Aang so effortlessly. Uh, uh, I will say to speak of to speak of maybe a moment that didn't. Uh, not that it, I don't know if it's. I wasn't like this isn't needed or anything, but it just kind of fell flat for me. Was the I mean the aforementioned moment where. Katara is out. She had to leave the show and she's like, I'm confused. And then Aang kisses her and it's just like a weird yeah. like, oh no. He's like, Aang, come on, buddy. Read the room. <laughs> but it's just really yeah. uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think 
I think it's one of the weird outlying moments of this episode. And I think they do. It, it was necessary to some degree to, to move things forward. So that's yeah. not, that it's all not just looking backwards that we are looking, right. we are looking to the future and trying to figure things out. But it, I think it's just so, it's just such an uncomfortable moment. It was ham fisted mm. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. No, we'll see. I think, no, I think the moment, I think, I think the moment is like, a good storytelling beat. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the timing. Yeah. 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 But I mean, we, again, we needed to have something happen between like, Oh, when he kisses her after the invasion to like, Oh, the final kiss in the last episode. Like there has to be something in between there. Cause like the way they ended after the first kiss was like, Oh, you know, you know, I need time. I need to figure this stuff out. Yeah. I love that kids are like dressing up as Aang and stuff. Like here's, here's the whole dissonance of the play to me. I don't get why you spend like what's what has to be at least like a three plus hour production, like featuring all of these like characters that you that you love, that you that you are clearly putting in a favorable and entertaining light. And then you have them all die at the end to the Fire Lord (laughs) and everybody cheers. And you're like, then why did you spend all this time making them seem like cool characters? (laughs) Yeah, this must have been a long play because it had not one but two intermissions like. Mm I've never been to. Maybe that's something that's popular, um, but the only thing for me that has two intermissions is hockey. Um, mm. But the, you get to like drink beer and like see people get into real fights and shit there. So like, you get, uh, you I get saw no alcohol. <laughs> you get fire flakes and fire gummies. You yeah. don't think Sokka's getting blitzed off his ass <laughs> on those fire gummies? Come on. Oh, those are spe- those aren't just those things. Those are those at least regular 20, gummies. Those things are at least twenty milligram. Let's be real. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, well any yeah so we talked about uh uh things that you know we might have done a little bit differently um and i think the, overall the like zuko when he's in the hallway and the kid comes up and he's like i like your zuko costume but your scars on the wrong side <laughs> honestly this is probably the one place they probably could have all just dressed in their regular clothes and people would just think they were in costume yeah yeah well for, i mean for you we, we talked about a moment that was, like, outside that was, like, moving the plot forward that, you know, with the, the scene with Katara and Aang didn't necessarily, like, the timing was a little awkward, like, mm-hmm. kind of forced in this episode. But one I felt that was really well done and I just wanted to touch on uh, before we wrap things up was the, the scene with uh, Toph and Zuko. Oh, thank you so much for mentioning because this. This is lovely. Zuko is, like, having a moment, man. Like, yeah. everyone else is, like, pissed about their portrayals and he's just, like, facing, like like literally it, all of the moments that he's fucked up and like, you know, betraying his uncle and like betraying the team avatar, like that moment where like, he like could have had things for Katara, but, but, but didn't, you know, like lots of regret here. And Soph is like, Hey, you know, your uncle, uh, I, he, he would have been proud of you. And like, we get that flashback to the moment where, uh, Toph had some tea with uncle Iroh and, you know, magical things happen when you're drinking tea. And like, yeah, I just thought, cause every episode before this was like a mini episode. Like we get with the boiling rock where Sokka goes off with Zuko and have their bonding moment. Then Katara gets hers with the Southern Raiders. And uh, we don't need it with Toph because A, Toph was like trustworthy and was like, hey, yeah, you should come and Zuko yeah, should join Team Avatar. Baggage. 
she in the didn't first have those place. The rest of them had. Well, yeah. she was the one that originally was like, "Hey, Aang needs a firebending teacher," and we were just saying like how we don't know who that's going to be, and Zuko just shows up on the doorstep to the Western Air Temple. So like, I don't see any issues. Like, like the universe is literally answering our, or solving our problem for us. So yeah, you know, Toph didn't need a whole episode. She just needed like two minutes with Zuko, and we're like, we're good, fam. And I th- I think it's so well done. Of like the to me the big trope that I've seen a hundred times is like someone shows affection and then immediately stops and they're like if you tell anyone about this I'll kill you where it's like they give them mm-hmm. a hug or they say like love you or I care about you and then they and then they tack on don't you dare mm-hmm. breathe a word of this but I love what they did here was so smart of like she punches him and he's like what <laughs> what the fuck are you doing and she's like that's how I show affection which is such a again to go back to portraying everyone's immaturity and stuff that's such like a schoolyard like yeah. when you like a girl when you're nine or something and it's like you whatever that is so I I, I really I just think that was just beautifully done in, in a way that you continue to think it's sweet versus like, oh, someone's being too rough or too, too um, proud or something. Absolutely. And it's so on character for Toph. Yeah. And if you go back through all of the like Toph moments throughout the whole series, every single time, like anything even remotely sentimental happens, Toph punches someone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, I think like we did a recap of the recap it's been a great time so yeah TL- tldr uh, the gang goes to a play <laughs> and it doesn't end so well you know we unfortunately end this episode kind of on a bummer bummer ang has like they face like this whole scene of like yeah we're great and then we see how it ends and we're like oh this is actually we, we forgot that we're in the fire nation and this is just like with every piece of media or things that are in the fire nation is used uh to perpetuate some type of uh idea and I, I gotta say it was bold of brian and mike to spoil the ending of the show like that i mean we all know that ang just dies to the fire lord pretty rough pretty finale. rough I know. Facing your own death, <laughs> man. And um, here we go. So it was. Yeah, it, 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 it's a good, it's a goofy, sh- it, like it really gives them a good opportunity to kind of like lampoon themselves and like have a good laugh. But it also like does a good job of like getting us caught up on like, wow. Like when you watch, when you, when you take away when you watch this episode is like, well, a lot has happened or genuinely like a lot has happened and it's all come to this. And that's exciting. Yeah. I also love that they, they treat it as if it's a professional theater production where I, I, I feel like I've also seen the trope of like, Oh, there's a play in town and they go and see it. And it's like, Hey, you better line or like something <laughs> right. goes wrong or a prop breaks or something. But I love no, that the it's play like, goes off without a hit. Yeah, they show like, hey, everyone here knows what they're doing, but it's just a send up. It's a lampoon of whatever. And again, I can't I can't stress enough how enjoyable it is that the actress who plays Aang, it's it's almost like if you go see uh, Funny Girl with Leah Michelle or something, and it's like when she first makes her interest, entrance, like a wink to the audience and a smile of like, I know I'm a big deal. So it's like clearly, <laughs> clearly that woman playing Aang is like the, the town, you know, the town bet Midler or something. So it's just, mm. just really enjoyable. And what's then, the, like everyone swoons. Yeah. The ending line is of like terrible play, but the effects were great. The or effects something. were great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, uh, like, thanks for sending me an advanced copy of your book for an honest review. I can't yeah. give it, I can't say I didn't, uh, did not finish it, but, uh, yeah, I'll give it three stars. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, that, yeah. that final, I think that's literally the last line of the episode, right? It, yep. That, that line also connects back to that guy doing all the effects, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that guy, worked, the star of the show. that guy worked his balls off. And at the end they're like, we appreciate that guy. Like, even though he didn't have a single line <laughs> or he wasn't a star of the show, he, he was the star of the show behind the scenes. Uh, indeed. Well, I, that being said, brings us to the end of our episode today. Before we sign off, uh, Adel, can please, uh, share with us and our wonderful listeners where they can find you on the yeah. interwebs. Yeah, uh, please check out Hello from the Magic Tavern, an improvised podcast, fantasy podcast. Um, I hope you enjoy it. If you don't, please don't send me the puns I missed. Um, <laughs> you, can also, <laughs> you can also check me out in the podcast Hey Riddle Riddle, where me and two friends try and solve riddles, puzzles, lateral thinking problems, and along the way we improvise some scenes. Um, and then uh, along the lines of Avatars, I think since I have last been on here, I was on an episode of Braving the Elements. Uh, yeah. with Janet Varney talking about the episode Zuko alone. So if you want to hear me talk about that episode, check out I, just in general, check out Braving the Elements. Uh, Absolutely. When, when we did that episode, um, Alex was away for a trip. So I got drunk on wine and recorded it myself and we called it Zacko alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. We, uh, we met, um, we met Dante Vasco at a convention a few months back. He's a super chill dude. Yeah. yeah. He's wonderfully nice. And we had to make the joke. It's like, oh, well, funny you mentioned because, you know, you also have an Avatar podcast and technically we were here yeah, first. We were, so we were, I guess you guys so. copied our idea. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like, so you got to come on our podcast before we come on yours was the joke. Yeah. Right? What, what, <laughs> what claim do you have to the Avatar universe, huh? Dante Bosco. Yeah, come on. <laughs> awesome. Well, yes, please, everyone, go check out... Uh, our good friend Adol and also uh, our friends Janet and Dante over at Braving the Elements. The that's one our, thing we our love. Friends. Uh, yeah, our friends. You know, we're one Hashtag big giant. Goals. We're we're one big happy Avatar community and yeah. family. Mm-hmm. All, all Avatar podcasters know each other. We know this. We I, just had our friends. I'll say, I can't imagine Janet Varney not being friends with anyone. So I, I think it's <laughs> feel comfortable in the fact that she would be wonderfully kind to both of you. Yes, wow. our our friend of ours, uh, Charlie, who does um, another podcast on Deus Ex Media of the Eldest Gods, uh, has met her and was just like, oh my gosh, like, like nicest person, like had all, like, had an awesome, like, uh, cosplay and just made all these, like, it was just like, oh wow, like, I wasn't expecting this person to be so nice. <laughs> so, but great. Well, thanks again. Uh, thanks for having me. You can find us at, uh, Speaking um, of our podcast, yeah, we have we have stuff too. We're on Twitter <laughs> at CabbageCast. We're on Instagram at MyCabbageCast, and we're on uh, Gmail at MyCabbageCast at gmail.com. Yeah, you know us. We will read it because we don't get a lot of fan mail, and when we do, it makes us very happy and excited. <laughs> yeah, and do everyone a favor: go and like rate all these awesome podcasts we mentioned today. Like five star review wherever you catch pod. Like. Leave a like, even if it's like a one word, like you know, our friend Takena who just said on the episode where Ang shot his hands, like you know, there you go, and boop, <laughs> yeah. right to the top. Like we, my my 
My favorite, uh, my favorite detail about Hello from the Magic Tavern, though, is uh, you guys run like a D and D style game at, at, at like on your bonuses once in a while, right? What was the, um, what was it? The, you, on Hello from the Magic Tavern, you guys run like a D and D style, like what's it called? The um, the so you play like oh, pe- uh, people in an office, offices and bosses, offices and bosses. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Such a fun idea. Awesome. Anyway, um, I'm Zach, and I'm Alex. And this has been my cabbages. Adol, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Two lovers forbid from one another. A war divides their people. And a mountain divides them apart. They built a path to be together. Jet just die? You know, it was really unclear. Dave X Media.